Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the war, 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 the Carolina Panthers-themed podcast that you need in your entire life. My name is Rob Brown, your ever-so-humble yet frequently correct and dashingly good-looking host. And, of course, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, my co-host and executive producer, the man in charge of every sound that goes into your ear holes every time we drop one of these episodes, the great one, Lonzo Reitzel, is here with me as well. And we are going to have a little bit of fun on the show today. Obviously, we've had a lot of practices we've been looking into, a lot of transactions that have been going down. We're going to give you the most recent couple since the last time we spoke, just a tick under a half a week ago. Then shortly after that, we are actually going to go ahead and lay down our season projections and predictions. Why not, ladies and gentlemen? We are well less than a week away from game number one when the Cleveland Browns invade the bank and Baker takes to the field with a vengeance. But not not as much a vengeance as he was quoted as having just like slightly less of vengeance, just a little less of vengeance than he was quoted as having initially. We'll tell you what we mean coming up here in just a minute from right now. But let's start off by getting into the two, trend- uh, two transactions that have taken place over the last couple of days. And we'll start on the defensive line. Davion Nixon is a former Iowa defensive tackle, a third-round guy, and a guy that last year the roof was set really high for. The expectations were really high for Davion, and they were set that way by Matt Rule because Matt Rule at one point during last year's summer camp said that Davion Nixon was a great surprise said that Davion Nixon was a hustle monster, said that Davion Nixon was a guy that he thought was going to work out exceptionally well for the Carolina Panthers, and it did not go that way. Davion Nixon, S. Nomas on the Panthers roster, he's been let go. And it's a little surprising 
not just because, Lonzo, of how much Matt Rule hyped him up last year as a third-round guy, a guy that he said was, was performing exceptionally well in the preseason, and a guy that he thought would contribute. But on top of that, the interior defensive line is one of the spots that you're okay up front, but there's really not a lot of depth there. There's not a lot of bodies. So when you get going up against some of these teams that are going to pound the rock right up the gut. And I think the Panthers are, or excuse me, the Browns are going to be that against the Panthers in week one. When you start losing warm bodies, especially warm bodies that were expected to contribute like Nixon was, it's a little bit of a concern because that's a spot of need. And this guy wasn't there to fill it. It's a little disappointing in a wasted draft pick. It's a little disappointed that rule kind of built him up as the next guy but I think it's most disappointing in the fact that this is where the Panthers need guys. I mean, this has now become a point of need. This is now a spot on the roster that the Panthers may have to look later in the season into making a move. You've got Leonard Fournette in this division. You've got Mark Ingram in this division. There are up-the-gut running backs that you've got to, you've got to be able to account for and this is one less guy to do that. It's 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 disappointing for Davion Nixon, I'm sure. It's disappointing for Carolina because they expected him to be able to contribute in the middle, and obviously he just wasn't there. It is a little puzzling to a certain degree, but if you look at what the defense did last year for the Panthers, they were really good. They really were, but they were susceptible to the run. And you're right. With all the running backs that they're going to have to go up against, why would you get rid of a guy unless – he can't stop the run. And if he can't stop the run, then you need to look to find someone who can. And that probably has a whole lot to do with uh, why he's not there anymore. The, even during preseason, Panthers susceptible to the run. And, you know, they're fixing things here and there. This is the thing they really need to work on. And maybe there's a guy out there or maybe a guy on the team that can already fill that spot. So uh, I do have to correct something I said a minute ago. It was a third-round pick. I misspoke. He's a fifth-round pick. But it does lead to the next roster move. And the interesting roster move there is that they brought in Henry Anderson, who was a Stanford product, a guy that had seven sacks with the Jets back in 2021. But last year, just one and a half quarterback takedowns and was not a guy that played heavy into the rotation. Uh, you, you let go of Davion Nix in the fifth round selection who, by the way, showed some promise for the Panthers. Last year had seven games in his rookie campaign before injuries cut it short. You bring in a guy who really has not put up the numbers. Nixon was a guy that could play kind of a three-down technique, but he could also move out to the edge, so he was kind of versatile. And now that he's cleared waivers, there is a chance that Nixon will end up on the practice squad uh, but it's just an interesting call. It was a little bit of a shocking call for me, considering that there were some other guys that were lower round draft picks, guys that have not contributed the way that Davion Nixon did last year. Uh, there are enough physical attributes, in my opinion, that I think Davion Nixon could have gone somewhere else. I'm actually a little bit taken aback that he did not, but... You're also you're, you're replacing him with a guy that maybe didn't have the numbers 
but it's got the experience edge over Davion Nixon. And if you're Matt Rule, you're hoping that while he's probably not as versatile along the line as Davion Nixon, he's a guy that can really fit in. Because at the end of the at the end of the day, right now, especially in the NFC South, you need a guy who can stop the interior run. It's nice to have a guy who can be an additional pass rusher, a guy that you can move from the three technique to the outside and he can still be effective. But I need a guy that I know I can trust to keep the A gap on either side of the center clear so that you don't have those running backs we mentioned a few minutes ago start going bananas on you. And I, I guess their belief here is that Anderson's the right guy for that job. Yeah, and you need a you need a big guy. You need a big fat guy to just stop up the hole. Even if he can't get back to the quarterback as much as you'd like him to, if he stops up that hole and stops the running back from going, you know what, I probably don't want to go through that hole, then that's that's why he's there. Yeah, and, and I think it, it, there's one more element to this that I wanted to get to, which is, and I find this interesting because there are some coaches who subscribe to this theory, but not as many as there used to be. The Panthers have not really taken – a lot of guys that they have to develop out of the draft and worked on that aspect of the game. It's been a lot of go get veterans, bringing guys who have been in the league, who have done this before, even if they've only had mild success, go get some guys that have been there, that have done that, that are able to, to bring experience and leadership to the table and don't really give guys a chance to develop. And before everybody starts screaming, well, what about JC Horn? Remember, J.C. showed up and did not need a lot of development. J.C. Horn was NFL-ready the day that he got to Charlotte. They didn't have to develop that guy. They went and got an NFL-ready defensive back, and this kind of fits into that mold, right? I mean, this kind of fits into that mold of go grab bets, guys with leadership, guys that have done this before, and try to maybe give them an opportunity to capture a little glory as opposed to let's take a year or two or three and let a guy like Davion Nixon kind of learn the ropes, learn the speed of the game, learn the, the the tactics, learn the strategies, the formations, and the schematics, and, and grow them into a homegrown stud. And I'll be real with you, Alonzo, I don't really know if I lean into that being a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, especially when you talk about the individual way that, that Matt Rule is doing it. I, I honestly have to say, even after three years, I think I'm going to be intrigued to see what happens with Nixon in the future, what happens with Anderson in the future, because this is a really good test tube, a really good lab experiment to see if Matt Rule's preference for grabbing veterans as opposed to developing draft guys is the right way to handle this. You know, you talked about J.C. Horn. That's the thing. You have a luxury. That defensive backfield, we we thought they were going to be great last year, and then J.C. Horn goes down. But he's back, and he looks good. He looks healthy. That defensive backfield looks really good. So when you have that, you know it's going to be hard for them to pass against you. And if your linebackers are serviceable, then you can just bring in guys that you can plug in the holes who know how to – a veteran that knows how to get in there and not get too happy – and try to get past what they're supposed to do, which is to stop the run. Another addition to the Carolina practice squad is Preston Williams, a wide receiver who comes over from Miami. Williams signed with the Dolphins as an undrafted free agent 
back in 2019. He did make their 53-man roster that year, made his debut in the season opener against the Ravens, three receptions for 24 yards and a touchdown in that one. In week nine, five catches for 72 yards and a pair of touchdowns in a win over the Jets. But he did leave that game with a torn ACL, which ended his rookie season with 32 snags for 428 and three touchdowns in 2020 in week five against the 49ers. He went four catches for a buck eight and a 32-yard touchdown reception during a 43-17 win. But in November that same year, was placed on injured reserve with a foot injury. In March of 22, signed a one-year contract extension with the Dolphins, but he did get waived back on August 30th and picked up by Carolina. And and I don't hate this. I mean, listen, the wide receiver room for Carolina is already stacked, right? Like the Carolina wide receiver room is already full. So I don't know that Preston Williams is going to have a lot of room right now. But for a guy that was producing as a third or a fourth wide receiver for the Dolphins before he got injury injured twice, it's a nice little project because if he shows up and he's on the practice squad all year and he doesn't get banged up and the foot is fine and the ACL is fine and he gets back to 90, 95% of form, then next year it gives you a little trade capital. It gives you a little bit of, of versatility at the wide receiver position. I like it as an experiment. They had to make a couple of moves. They did let go of the practice squad Uh, They let go of Rashawn Henry in order to make room for Williams. I don't have any issue with this, Lonzo, because like I said, uh, it's an experiment. If the guy isn't healthy, really it's not a huge loss. If the guy is healthy, you see if maybe he can come out and replicate those numbers that he had early in his career with the Dolphins before his ACL popped. And maybe down the line there is a way to work him into the rotation as a special teams, a slash fifth receiver when you decide to go five wide spread sets. I, I Of the guys that have been picked up on the practice squad, this is one I'm going to be keeping my eyeballs on. You know, the other good thing about it, the luxury you have with him at practice is if he gets back to form, then suddenly he starts pushing the other guys. Those guys start looking over their shoulder and maybe they play a little bit harder than – than what they're playing because they don't want their spot taken. So, I mean, that's a good idea. And then, like you said, maybe maybe later on in the season when he's fully healthy, you bring him in and then you've got one more weapon. So as it stands right now, the 16 members of the practice squad are set as of right now. Tight end Josh Babix, offensive lineman Deontay Brown. He got cut a couple of days ago. I warned you a couple of weeks ago. I thought he was potential to get cut. He does clear waivers. He's on the practice squad. Safety Justin Burris, quarterback Jacob Eason, quarterback Monterey Harper, cornerback Tay Hayes, defensive end Drew Jordan, defensive end Austin Larkin, running back John Lovett, linebacker Aaron Mosby, wide receiver C.J. Saunders, center Sam Tecklenburg, tight end Colin Thompson, and wide receiver Derek Wright. As of right now, that is your Carolina Panthers practice squad at the time being we will obviously see as we get closer to week one and as we get deeper into the season when injuries start to happen how many if any of those guys some who have uh produced some preseason numbers may get called into active duty at some point we'll obviously keep an eye on all of those guys as we get closer to the regular season 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, next thing we wanted to touch on, we talked to you a couple of episodes ago after NFL sideline reporter for the Buffalo Bills and NFL Network face Cynthia Freeland said that she had an interesting conversation with one Baker Mayfield after the final Carolina v. Buffalo preseason game. Freeland said that she came, she, she talked to Baker and said, hey, good luck. Can't wait to see you in week one. She said, go kick some bootay, but she did not say bootay. That's the French word for what Cynthia Freeland says she said. Uh, go kick some rear end, go kick some hiney, go kick some bottom, go kick some tail. And she said that Baker told her, I'm going to bleep them up or we are going to bleep them up. And obviously there was a lot of discussion about that around the NFL world. Now, Lonzo last pod we had and on our show, the Rob Brown show with me and Lonzo Reitzel, which airs. 9 to noon Eastern. You guys can check it out on the Odyssey app by searching for The Fan Upstate or searching for The Rob Brown Show and clicking the old heart button. We talk, obviously, Panther football, but we really get into all sports on that show. Lonzo, you had an interesting take on Cynthia Freeland as a journalist. And at the time, I kind of fought back. I kind of pushed back a little bit against you because I'm like, eh, this, this doesn't seem like something that would get made up. This doesn't seem like something that you would quote to Baker Mayfield if Baker Mayfield didn't say this thing. I kind of push back against you a little bit. And now who is joined Team Lonzo in that pushback but Baker Mayfield himself? Yeah, I. Uh, the thing was, by the way, I got it. Baker! Sorry. Baker! I mean, we we got to do that. You got to do it every time. We're, we're contractually obligated to do that at some point in the podcast. So I, I, the way she was, come on, guys, come on. Why are we making a big deal? And it's that tone, that too. Come on, this isn't a big deal. As if to say, oh no, I said something. It's not exactly what was said, and now it's blown up, and it's everywhere. And here's here's the thing. You know, Baker comes out and says, that's that's not what I said. Um, and uh, he says it's phrase, it's not phrased the way that it was. And, and he is – it's disappeared. I, I don't know if you noticed this, Rob. It's disappeared. We're not here. As soon as he said he didn't say it, it's gone. I mean, it was the, it was the biggest story 
nationally, not just with the Panthers, but nationally. He says he didn't say it. The next day, people, some people took his side, some people took her side, and now it's gone. Now it's gone. You know, maybe college football has something to do with it. Maybe the anticipation of us being just a few days away from the actual kickoff of the NFL. But it just completely disappeared, which plays more into the side that Baker really didn't say it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at the point now. Like, this is the definition of a he said, she said, right? Like, it literally is he said, she said. She said, he said, let's go bleep them up. He said, no, I didn't. I didn't phrase it that way. That's not what I said. Uh, first off, my reaction is who cares, right? Like, who cares if he said well, it? Well, everybody cared for a while. That is correct. Everybody cared. But, you know, and, and we talked about this in the last pod. Everybody cared because week one, Baker Mayfield is the story, right? Like, like Baker and the Panthers are going to be the most watched 1 a.m. Eastern game in the National Football League. And I, I don't have the schedule pulled up in front of me. I mean, Thursday night is a really good night. We've got a couple of potential Super Bowl contenders that are getting there together. But on, on Sunday, when we get lined up uh, for, for week number one, right, I, I absolutely believe that Baker Mayfield is going to be the story. And I think that's why everybody got intrigued. All right, let's see. Our, our 1 o'clock time slot, I mean, Saints-Falcons is a rivalry game in the South. It'll do numbers. Uh, 49ers-Bears isn't going to beat it. Maybe the Steelers, but after announcing Mitch Trubisky, I mean, I don't think Steelers Bengals is going to take precedence over seeing Baker what, what Baker does to the Browns. Eagles Lions ain't it. Colts Texans ain't it. Patriots Dolphins. I mean, maybe in that the Dolphins have given the Patriots fits since Tom Brady left, and and people want to see Matt Jones. But is Matt Jones more compelling TV than Baker? I don't think so. Uh, Ravens Jets ain't it. Jags Commanders ain't it. Those are your one o'clock games. There's not going to be a game that commands more attention, that commands more presence than Baker Mayfield going out with a vengeance to try to right the wrong that the Cleveland Browns did to him when they said they needed an adult in the room. And that's why they had to get rid of Baker to bring in a guy with 20 plus uh, accusations of sexual assault against them into Sean Watson, I think it was entertaining, right? Uh, the same way, Lonzo, that, you know, you and I are, are, are both MMA guys. We're both UFC guys. We're both professional wrestling guys. What hypes you for a feud more than a guy looking another guy in the face and going, I'm going to bleep you up, right? It doesn't matter if it's Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle in WWE it doesn't matter if it's Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz in UFC. It doesn't matter if it's two fat, drunk guys at a bar on a Friday night. When one guy grabs the other guy by the shirt and goes, I'm going to bleep you up, everybody's like, oh, oh, this just got good, right? Like, this just got more compelling. And I think that's why everybody latched onto it. I said it in the last pod. I'll say it in this pod. If Baker didn't say it, cool. If Baker did say it, cool. I want that guy who's got that fire. I want that guy who's got that passion. I want that guy that's got that attitude. But Baker has carried himself a certain kind of way since he got to Charlotte. 
Baker has conducted himself a certain kind of way since he got to Charlotte. And I think he's doing with it an intent, right? I mean, what what is more aggregate or aggravating to the Browns front office than to say that you got to let Baker go because you want an adult in the room and then Baker gets Carolina and he's got the shirt and tie on and it's yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, please, thank you. And I hope they have an excellent game. I'm not out to prove anything, et cetera. I mean, I, I guess it's a good way for Baker to prevent the, the Browns from having any bulletin board material. But if Baker wants to be portrayed a certain way, and this lady made up a quote that goes directly against that when he genuinely has been working his butt off to get rid of the frat boy who plays football image that's been built for him, you know, it's 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 kind of disrespectful on her part. And if Baker denies it as stringently as he did, man, I you know, she's gonna she's gonna have some some journalistic ethics questions that she's going to have to answer down the line. All right. Here's the problem. Here's a major problem. The people who are anti Baker, they wanted it to be true. So they could go see, see, see. And then there are people like you, Rob, who wanted it to be true because you wanted to see that fire and you're disappointed because you wanted him to come out and say, yeah, I said it and I'm going to back it up come Sunday. But if you watch Baker and you watch him, including when he said, I'm not a robot. You can see you can see that fire in there. You can sure. see it in there. You can see that he's biding his time and that he's 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 proven Cleveland wrong with the way he's handling this till he gets till Sunday so he can get out there and you're going to see the baker that you want to see, the fiery baker, the guy that wants to win at all costs. You're going to see that guy. But right now it's 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 him versus the Browns front office and Baker's winning. Yeah, no, he absolutely is. He, he 100%. He was winning before he got to Charlotte. But since he's gotten to Charlotte, he has said the right things. He has done the right things. And honestly, I, I was thinking back while you were talking there, Lonzo. I was like trying to think back of what has been the most Baker thing that Baker has said since he showed up at Charlotte. And the only thing that I've got is when they asked him, are you looking to week one, looking forward to week one? And he said, I'm not a robot. Like that's the only thing that he has said that even came across a little bit Baker. That only came a little bit Mayfield across my screen. And even that was relatively tame, right? They're like, you got anything special for C-Town? And he's like, nah, you know, I'm not a robot. Which you know what he's doing? Mean? You know what he's doing? He's He's using the Bill Belichick approach. That's absolutely what he's doing. He's acting bored with the questions. He's, uh, he, he, I mean, he's being polite more than what Belichick does, but he's using that approach. Like, you're not going to get any fire out of me, and if you don't, you're going to move on. And that's exactly what's happening when it comes to questions about the game. Sure. And, and again, I think there is, I think there's an element of it of not giving the 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 guys wearing the helmets in Cleveland, not the front office. The guys wearing the helmet, the Miles Garretts of the world, not giving them any any reason, right? Because I think some of those guys probably understand a little bit why Baker is upset, but he doesn't necessarily need to or want to give them any more fuego than they already have to come out and get him on Sunday. And he's done a masterful job at not giving away any bulletin board material. But I absolutely think, 
you're going to get big swinging Baker. I think you're going to get the dude who's going to come out and be aggressive and have that fire and have that swag and try to set the field ablaze when the boys from Cleveland are standing across the field from him. All right, now let's take a look ahead. I, I, you know, the next pod that we drop you at the end of this week is going to be a week one preview. We're going to be taking a deeper look at the numbers in the analysis of Carolina hosting the Cleveland Browns, the aforementioned Baker Mayfield show taking on his old team, which by the way, Baker put out like a line of officially licensed shirts that talked about this. One of them says one night only. And Lonzo, it is a flat out old school NASCAR slash professional wrestling style promotion t-shirt, which I love because it absolutely does tell me that Baker's got a little fire, that this, this game means something to Baker Mayfield. So I was glad to see it. And also, it's just a genuinely funny T-shirt for him to be the first T-shirt that he licenses. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing there'll be a bunch of those showing up in Charlotte come Sunday. And uh, it definitely got a NASCAR feel to it. And uh, he's playing to the right crowd because of where he is now, for sure. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this season. Let's prognosticate a little bit about this season in terms of win totals, in terms of potential for a playoff. Uh, first and foremost, and we'll start with that, Lonzo, I have seen a pretty polarized view from the national guys about this football team. And I get it. I completely understand it. I have seen projections of 5-12. and 12. I have seen projections of 7-10. and 10. I've seen projections of 8-9. and nine. I've seen 9-8. and eight. I've seen 10-7. and seven. I-, I saw one 12-5. Now, I don't think you get the 12-5. I think that's a pipe dream. Hey, dream big. I like it. But the majority of the prognostications that I have seen from the talking big heads in the national media has been predominantly for a, you know, I I mean, it's not 500. No team will ever be 500 again. Uh, But for a either nine and eight or eight and nine football team at the end of this year, and I don't have a problem with that. Nine and eight, I think, is the worst you can do and sneak in with the wild card this year. All right. Nine and eight is the worst you can do. So let's take a look up and down the schedules, though. And let's see, is there a possibility to put together a couple of runs and maybe get to that number? Obviously, we know that on the 11th, we open up with Cleveland. Now, if Deshaun's playing in that game, I'm probably picking the Browns despite the fact that they've lost some offensive talent, obviously, I'm probably still picking the Browns. But Jacoby Brissett and the Browns, even if the defense is good, I don't see them putting a lot of points up. I see Carolina pinning the ears back in this game. No reason that the Panthers don't walk out of the bank 1-0 to open the year. Yeah, I completely agree. And and Cleveland does have a really good running game. They absolutely do. But Carolina is going to keep the ball for a long time because Carolina has a pretty good running game also, plus all those receivers. And that defense, you keep that defense out there for a long time with the Browns, they're going to get tired. And there is Jacoby Brissett. And there is Jacoby Brissett. That's it. All right, so then, then we move on to week number two. In week number two, your Carolina Panthers are going to be on the road up at the Meadowlands 
taking on the New York Giants. Now, keep in mind, the Giants last year, 4-13 and record, last place in the NFC East. They did not qualify for playoffs. But you go back to 2020, and the Giants were actually relatively close to punching a playoff berth. Uh, now, Daniel Jones has suffered from some injuries over the last couple of years. Saquon Barkley is expected to be good in this game. I would like to think the Panthers are a better team than the New York football Jets, uh, excuse me, Giants, but I think it's going to depend on Saquon's health. I think it's going to depend on Daniel Jones' health. If those guys are healthy, if those guys are capable of getting it done, I think that could actually be a really, really decent football game. But I do think even on the road, the Panthers should be able to beat the Giants in week two and start the season off 2-0 like they did last year. So am I willing to also go with you on this and say that the, the Panthers are going to be 2-0? Absolutely. They're going up against the Giants. The Giants haven't fixed anything yet. They're still the Giants. The Panthers, I believe, uh, top to bottom is a better team than the Giants. So definitely 2-0 at this point. I think so. I think so. Week number three. This is where it gets dicey. September 25th, the Saints come to the bank. This one is in Charlotte, divisional matchup. And this one's a coin flip game to me, Lonzo, because the entire league wants to know what Jameis Winston is going to be, right? I mean, Jameis Winston, love him or hate him, at the beginning of last year, before his knee exploded, Jameis Winston was playing good quarterback, right? This year... Not only does he get Michael Thomas back, but they added Landry. They added Olave out of Ohio State. They've got a very versatile wide receiver core. They've got Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, who have worked well together in the past. Obviously, Ingram's got some tread worn off those tires, but he's still a bowling ball back in the red zone. Uh, this game could be very, very interesting, and this one is a toss-up game to me. I, I don't necessarily know, Zoe, that we have enough information about New Orleans to make this pick. Uh, I could see a season split with New Orleans. I could see New Orleans winning both. I could see Carolina winning both, depending on what the Saints offense look like, because it's not just Jameis coming back from injury, but it's also Dennis Allen taking over for Sean Payton, right? Sean Payton was the offensive mastermind for New Orleans. He's gone. He quit. He left. So now Dennis Allen, a defensive guy, is the head coach, but they do keep Pete Carmichael. Carmichael was the OC for New Orleans last year, who was not the architect of the offense. That was Sean Payton, but he was the ex the the, the uh, executor. The the he was the the he was the guy who did it. He was the guy who ran. There you go. Offense. He yeah. did it. Take me a minute. I'm good at radio. Uh. I genuinely I, – I don't have a lean on this game, Lonzo, do you? I think I think the biggest key right there, he said, no more Sean Payton. Sean Payton was pretty – and, yeah, they were able to win when Sean Payton wasn't there. It's not like it's not, not impossible, but I, they also knew that he would be coming back at some point. Now they know that he's not. And I think that plays into it. How much has, has Jameis healed from his injury? How much is he ready for to get hit and uh, and in playing shape? 
And here's the other thing. I think Carolina is getting lucky hitting a few teams early that uh, are probably not going to be real sure of themselves. And I agree. I think it might be a split, but I think Carolina gets the early one. So I'm going with Carolina to win and be 3-0 and at this point. And, yeah, I'm not going to go straight homer all the way. They will lose some games, but I think up until this point, they are undefeated. All right, so Lonzo's got him at 3-0. I can see it. I, I can be talked into it. I can be talked into 3-0. I think the Saints might have some early growing pains, but obviously we'll see them a second time in New Orleans later in the season. However, uh, a week after that, they are back home. We're in the bank when the Arizona Cardinals come a call, and this team obviously interesting in that they had some drama in the offseason with their starting quarterback. This was a team that opened the season 7-0, and but then lost five of its last six games, including getting it handed to them in the playoffs, and they didn't really do a whole heck of a lot. They did get the contract done with Kyler Murray. We had that hilarious homework clause that was a sports radio goldmine for two or three days. But outside of that, uh, while they did secure a core group of guys, Zach Ertz is back, James Conner, A.J. Green are all back. They also lost some free agents. Chandler Jones is gone. Christian Kirk is now in Jacksonville. Chase Edmonds is gone. And they didn't really, they didn't really upgrade by spending a lot of money. They kind of held pat. I don't think this Cardinals team is going to be anywhere near what we thought they were going to be last year when they started 7-0. and Is it wild to think that this game being at home could lead to a 4-0 and start for Carolina? You know, I don't think it's crazy to think this, but at the same time, Kyler Murray, if he's healthy, he's still short, but if, if he's healthy, <laughs> he uh, he is hard to contain with his speed and how quickly he can get in and out of things and, and – pick up some yards. This this is my first real concern for the Panthers is this team, right? I don't know which way it's going to go, but I'm worried about Kyler Murray. I am too. Uh, I, again, I, I think that this could be a – I think this could be a win, but much like the Saints game, I could absolutely seeing it go the other direction. Uh, for the sake of having to make a pick, like I said, Kyler Murray is really good. But he can't do it by himself. And the, the, the Cardinals didn't really add anything to the offense, an offense that lost five of six, including a playoff game. I think that streak is going to continue in the negative. I like the Panthers at 4-0, and and I hope I'm not being too much of a homer. But even if I am, that streak ends October 9th. The San Francisco 49ers come to town. That is going to be a 4-0-5, back-to-back-to-back. Mid-afternoon slots for the Panthers. The Cardinals is scheduled at 4.05 as of today. So are the Niners in Charlotte. And this San Francisco team, down three starters, including left guard Lakin Tomlinson, who was a big piece of what they did last year, is obviously also now switching quarterbacks, going to Trey Lance instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo's still there. He's the backup. He did not end up getting traded or signing anywhere else. He took up a bit of a pay cut, but a guaranteed pay money cut in order to stay there. I think this is the first falling off spot for the Carolina Panthers because I think this 49ers team is good. 
They addressed one of their biggest spots of need, which is defensive backfield, which are various Ward coming over from the Chiefs. The only question is, can Trey Lance be good enough? He made two fill-in starts last year. He's thrown 71 passes as a rookie. He's got to take over. Obviously, we had all the issues with Debo Samuel. He did get his contract, but there was some bad chemistry there. All of that being said, this 49ers team is going to be a decent team and a playoff threat. This is the first stumbling point in this in this schedule for me, Lonzo. All right. I you know what? I'm still I'm a little on the fence on this, but I'm gonna go with you as far as I think San Francisco win, but not because of Trey Lance, because I, I just I mean, I mean no one knows what they're gonna get. Obviously the coaching staff thinks that he's a step up and he's been there long enough to take the reins. But I, I'm gonna go with because of uh, Debo and the defense. I, I think that's why um, that San Francisco win this game, but I don't think it's a blowout by any means. Oh, I, 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 I'm not projecting a blowout. I am projecting an L. October 16th, seven days later, the Panthers are on the road out in L.A., honestly, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be uh, a pessimist here, but L.A. is a tough place to play. And the Los Angeles Rams are one of the three Vegas favorites out of the NFC to go back to a Super Bowl. I'm not saying there's not a game on the schedule Carolina can't win, but if we're picking L's along the roster on the road at a, at the LA Rams is going to be one of them. All right, there's there's only one question that I have, and I don't have it at the ready: is who's the backup quarterback for the Rams? Because there's been a little bit of an arm problem there, and if that arm problem were to continue. I'm not wishing for an injury. I'm just saying it's there. If that arm problem was there, that changes the game a little bit, except for the Rams defense is still going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, this, this is a loss for the Panthers, but I'm wondering, will Stafford be the quarterback at that point? Uh, you know, and, and and we'll have a we have a different time and place for this conversation on our show. Matt Stafford's good. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm frankly a little over the disrespect of Matt Stafford. The dude just carried the Rams to a Super Bowl – He's good. All right. By the way, I'm not. I'm not being disrespectful. His arm is hurt. Oh sure, sure. But we are talking October 16th. We are well over a month out from that game. He, he, okay. Rob, 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 hold on, hold on. I'm an older guy, okay. And when you get older, you get a little arthritic. And Stafford's been. Uh, he took a beating the whole time he was in Detroit. He's getting a little bit older. He got his ring. The arm starts hurting a little bit. You know, and and uh, I'm just saying. Optimism wherever you can find it. October 23rd, you get another NFC South matchup. You also get it in the bank. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers come a-call-in. Same situation. Now, what is interesting is over the last couple of days, the drama has started to pick up. The rumors are kicking around that the – bleep in Tom Brady's life, as he's called it, is that Giselle was disappointed that Brady unretired. She said, well, if he can play, I can play too. And basically just started taking modeling gigs again and leaving the home ranch in Brady's hands, which for 11 days he just had to take care of. I don't know which true. He's that. He's on the mass Singer. He just wanted some. I don't know which true. And I don't know that we're ever going to know which true. I will say, I think there is potential for this to be a very un-Tom Brady-like season for Tom Brady. That being said, 
until I see Tom Brady stumble. Tom Brady's Tom Brady, and this Bucks offense is good. Panthers drop this one at home to Tampa Bay. You know, this is another one of those that I believe that there's a good shot at a split. Uh, getting them early on, all those that drama that you just talked about is still fresh, and I really have a hard time picking Tom Brady to do anything. So uh, I think the drama is going to it's going to factor in, and I think Carolina pulls one out and beats Tampa Bay. Let's do two more. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to run through two more, and then we'll save the second half of the season projection for the next pod coming out very, very soon. October 30th, the little Halloween showdown. The Panthers on the road at Atlanta. Listen, Atlanta's not a very good football team. I don't mean any disrespect to Marcus Mariota, but he's the fourth best quarterback in the NFC South, and I do rank him behind Jameis Winston this I'm going to say this, and you won't hear me say this about a lot of games. This better be a win for Carolina. You better be able to go on the road. You better make sure that you take the Falcons out and get that job done because you do not want to end up in a spot where you are below the Falcons in the NFC South. This is one of a couple of must-win games on the schedule for the Carolina Panthers. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, the fact that they went from Matt Ryan to Mariota, uh, who had such promise coming out, same time that Jameis Winston came out, is those two, one and two. Who's going to be the better of the two? And so far, I get, you got to say that Jameis has had the better record uh, because he's managed to remain a starter a lot longer than Mariota has. Um, but the rest of the team's not good either as far as Atlanta goes. Yeah, Carolina should win this and better win this game. And then November 6th to open up the back half of the schedule. The Panthers are, for the second time in the season, on the road at a Super Bowl participant. They will take on Joey B., Joe Burrow, and his Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati in an early competition. You know, again, this Cincinnati team is good. They are an AFC favorite just behind the Buffalo Bills to represent that side of the NFL in the Super Bowl. I've got no doubt that Joey B will be in, if not the AFC Championship game, no worse than the AFC Divisional Round. And then it's just going to be a matter of the seeding between Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo, who I do think will be three of the four teams last standing as to whether or not they make it to the AFC title game. But they got as good a chance of any of those three teams of making it to the dance. This is going to be a tough game. Cincinnati's got a ton of offensive weapons. They are able to beat you any way you need them to with the football. I got this one pegged as an L for the Panthers as well. Yeah, you know, historically, when a team loses a Super Bowl, they don't do so well the next year. So you can look at it and think, yeah, Cincinnati's probably not going to do that well. That's historically. It doesn't happen always. I don't think it's going to happen for Cincinnati. I think they're going to be even better this year because they were really a year ahead of schedule making it to the Super Bowl last year. So, yeah, it's going to be really hard for Carolina to beat the Bengals, so this is probably a loss. Yep, I'm going to agree. That is nine games down. There are eight more on the schedule. And if you want to find out where Lonzo and I have the Panthers finishing out, don't you worry, friends. Make sure you keep it t- uh, tuned in right here to Views from Mint Street. It's available wherever major podcasts are found, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Google Play. Make sure you are subscribed and have your alerts turned on to the Views from Entry podcast. And like we always say, if you got family members, 
that are Panthers fans. Hook him up with the podcast. If you see a guy walking down the street in a Panthers hat, hook him up to the podcast. We are going to be throughout the season your source for game previews, reviews, and news throughout the season. We look forward to bringing it to you along. So any parting words for the people? I got a little something extra for you. Baker! Baker! That's two. I love it. I love it. We get paid by the Baker around here, ladies and gentlemen. That's it for us. The next episode will be dropping in the next few days. Make sure you pay attention for it. And please, if you like the podcast, spread it around. Make sure your friends and family are liked and subscribed to it. You've been listening, ladies and gentlemen, and Panthers fan around the nation, to the Views from Mint Street podcast presented by Odyssey. I'm Rob Brown. He's Lonzo Reitzel. We'll see you next time. Keep pounding, baby.